This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Um, all right, let's go. Parshas Yisro 5783. We're going to talk about the fifth of the Esther. Honor your father and your mother, or thy father and thy mother, so that you will have length of days on the land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given you. There's obviously three things to go through over here. I'm not going to go through some of the obvious things that the Gemara talks about, which is why Avicha is mentioned before Yimecha. I'm going to speak about Lamanya Rikhun Yimecha, that reward of having length of days. I'm going to talk about the end of the Pasuk, which people sometimes ignore, that it's got to be in Eretz Yisrael, and then the concept of Kabbalah Zavicha, what it's doing here. Why is it number five? Why is it on the right, right side? On the side of the Bain Adam Lamakom part of the Aserah Zedibros, with Anochi and Lo Yelech and Lo Sisan Shabbos, why isn't it on the others, which are obviously dealing with Bain Adam Lechavero, Lo Sirtzach, Lo Sinaf, Lo Signov, etc. Okay, so the Ramban says, first of all, to start off, that the first four mitzvahs involve our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu directly, Mamish directly, including Shabbos. And that's the beginning, this one, number five, is the beginning of the last six. So he tries delineating them between four and six, and that deals with people. The reason why this mitzvah is chosen over Lo Sirtzach, let's say, in other words, you could have started Lo Sirtzach, etc., is because HaKadosh Baruch who is considered, says the Ramban, our Av Rishon, our first father, and therefore we can compare our Kibbutah Ve'em to our honor of HaKadosh Baruch Although there are some specific acts that the Gemara and Kedushin Daflamid Aleph and Beis mentions, you know, when it comes to Kibbutah, giving him food or drink and giving him clothing, putting on his shoes, helping him in and out, right? This Sivoy, really includes any form of honor that one does and shows their parents, right, equating them to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And that's how the Ramban puts it, a beautiful message. And the idea is that it's sort of like the segue into the last five. The segue into the last five is going from a Kaddish Baruch Hu to the Av and go from right over there. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, technically, all of the mitzvos on this side deal with your parents. Just like you say, Anochi and Lo Yelech and Lo Sisa, etc., right, you can't deny that a Kaddish Baruch Hu made the world. You can't say there's any other God, so too you should never deny that your parents are your parents. You should never assume that someone else gave birth to them. You have to sort of believe that, and that's part of a belief system that starts in the very, very beginning, that your parents wouldn't lie to you. And since so much of our religion is based on Misora, on this idea of understanding the generation before and the generation before and the generation before, this is a really important line. I know this is the idea behind it. You should never swear in anger against your parents. You have to accept them as if they are the people that they say they are. As if that's the idea behind it, and that's the connection between HaKadosh Baruch That's how the Rabbeinu B'chayi puts it. Rechaim Paltiel, who's also a Rishon, he says, although HaKadosh Baruch Hu's commanded everybody to honor him and nothing else, your parents are an exception. They're the ones who did everything for you when you were a kid. They did a tremendous kindness to you. If you honor them because of what they did for you, then I'll know that you honor me for all the chassid that I did for you all this time. And that's the idea. Again, all of them are connecting HaKadosh Baruch Hu to your parents. All obvious ideas. Rabbi Victor Miller also mentions this segue mitzvah, from honoring Hashem to honoring one's fellow man. Every Jew is important, he says, for Victor Miller. Therefore, one could say that there's more importance given to the relationship of us and other people, six mitzvahs, to our, our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch, which is one through four. That's his idea. That's what it goes through. And the Beis Yishai even explains, it's weird that Kibbutz Avayim makes it into the Aserah Zedibros. Look, no one's going to question Lo Sirtzach. No one's going to question Lo Sinaf, Lo Signof. No one's going to question those things, because they're obvious. Guys, I'm just saying, like, 
I'm not taking attendance, but, you know. <laughs> but no one's going to question all of those things. Those are really, really obvious. But honoring your parents, making it into the top ten, is a weird one. It's strange. It's just not something that you'd necessarily say. So the idea is, when you honor your parents, as if you're honoring a Kaddish Baruch at the same time. That's how the Beis Shai puts it. And all of those ideas connect with each other. They're all together right over there. Now, let's get into the length of days idea. The Rashi says at the end of the passage, if you honor them, your days will be longer. And if you don't, if you don't honor them, they're going to be shorter. You'll have a long life when you honor them, and if not, not. Rashi even says it that way. He doesn't say it as, your days will be longer, period. He says, and if not, if you don't honor them, you will live a shorter life. It's weird, because there's no, like, in-between. That if you're sort of honoring them, you'll live a normal life. It's either you do and you get, or you don't, and it becomes shorter. So that's the idea behind it. He understands the negative from the positive. That's the idea. The Mizrahi says, that's because this mitzvah is not like any of the other Dibros. Again, every other mitzvah in the Aseris Dibros is technically a love. I know Anochi is different. Anochi is a very clulliest type of mitzvah, right? And that's different. But every other mitzvah is technically a love. Meaning, don't bow down to other idols. Don't say God's name in vain. Shabbos is don't do malacha. I realize there's a zachor aspect to it, but don't do anything like that. Lo sirzach, lo sinaf, lo signaf, lo sanaberichad, shakan, lo sachmo. They're all lavin. So why is kibbut of the aim in an assay idea? And that's where Mizrahi says, Rashi got his idea, that the root behind this mitzvah is not the positive. It's warning you to honor your parents because if you don't, then you're going to lose your life. That's when you start losing everything and that's the idea behind it. So it's written in the opposite form, but you can understand from it what the love would be. What the love of not honoring your parents would be right over there. The Gurari adds that it's why Rashi said all the Debros contain an Onesh if you don't keep them. Where do you see that by keeping it up aim? It's giving you a reward for keeping it. And the answer is no. It's the opposite. If you don't, that's the idea behind it. The Debray David doesn't like it so much. He says that Rashi says the Laman is to tell you if you don't. Okay, but that's a different story. That's the Debray David. In Chulin, Rashi says that the reason why this Chulin Kofiyot Mabez, the reason why this Pasuk tells us the reward for the mitzvah, because most mitzvahs do not tell us exactly what the reward is going to be, because it wants you to know if you don't keep this mitzvah, you will be punished by not getting this reward. Now that's different. That Rashi and Chulin is not saying like Rashi over here. Rashi over here is saying if you don't do it, you lose life. You will be punished. And over there, Rashi and Kulin is saying, if you don't do it, you won't receive the reward of long life. Meaning, you won't be punished, but you won't be rewarded. So which one is it? The Be'er Basada wonders what the steer is over here. So he says, number one, aside from that, everyone, Reb Meir, Reb Hanina, that might argue over there, seem to hold in Kiddush and that if the Pusik does not say explicitly an Onesh, a specific punishment, then there is no schar or onish for something that can be inferred. Which means, again, from right over here, meaning if this Pusik only says, if you keep it, there is no onish if you don't. If you don't, then you just don't get the reward of long life. That's all there is. That's what the Gemara seems to say over there. That's how the Barabbas sort of asks. So he says, what's going on? So there's a famous Machlokas in Yavamas. It's between Rabbi Akiva and the Chachamim. Is it that we all have a set life? And we can add to our lives and make them longer? Or is it that we all have a set life as long as we do the right thing, but if we don't do the right thing, then our lives become shorter? Which one is it? Can we add to our lives and not shorten it? 
just if we do badly, we'll die at the set time? Or do we say, no, you actually could lose life, but you can't add life. Your final count is the last thing that you have. Rebbe Aki- I'm sorry? I, 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 that's the machlokis there. The machlokis between Rebbe Kiva and the Chamim is which one is which. Rebbe Kiva says, if one is Zoha, then you will live the amount of years prescribed for him from above. And if not, if you're not Zoha, you will lose life. You will never add on years to your life. That happens. That's like a huge schus. That's not by normal people. You either live to 120, and if you don't do everything correctly, then you'll live to 119, 118, 117. That's the line of Rebbe Akiva over here. According to him, Yarichun Yamecha means you will live the amount of years you're going to live. Meaning, you can't add years to your life. Laman Yarichun Yamecha does not mean you're going to add years because you can't. Rebbe Akiva you can't do that. Laman Yarichun Yamecha means you're going to live your actual years of life. And if you don't, then the punishment is you're going to lose life. And that's how you can understand both Rashi's together. The Rashi over here is telling you that the punishment is you're going to lose your life. And the Rashi over there in Sanhedrin says, if you don't do it, you won't get your Yerichon Yamecha, meaning you'll lose years according to Rebbe Akiva. That's the idea. That's how you can understand those two Rashi's together, and they both work out perfectly. The, our Orachim HaKadosh points out, it doesn't say, A'arich Yamecha. I will lengthen your days. It says, Yarichun Yamecha. Sounds like it's something that happens on its own. So he says, that means honoring your parents has a skula. There's a special skula there that you will receive for it in the next world. It's automatic. It's not even something that you can try to do. It's something that automatically happens. There are so many mitzvahs that have skulas that we don't understand, aside from their schar and olam haba. This mitzvah has a skula to give you long life and to give you reward in the next world. And that's what happens. Every time you honor your parents, it, so to speak, adds a little bit to that life, life expectancy that you're supposed to have. And that's that. That's how a person has to understand it. says, It's automatic without you do any, doing anything. It's a skula. A schooler that we don't understand. Yeah. So, uh, Kibbutz Aim is mostly exemplified by Asa, right? Oh, okay. And Dumb Benesina. Yeah. Right, so, it doesn't seem like he lived such a crazy life compared to his peers at this time. Like, where do we learn, where do we see this? I mean, 147. I don't know how many other. No, 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 I mean, 175. But, like, I, I, I don't know if that's, like, the speci- I don't know. I, I can't tell you. I don't know how many. Years everybody else around there lives. So the question is, the question is, first of all, does it apply by non-Jews? Does keep it of aim and the reward for Yerich and Mecha apply by non-Jews? Where do we see it by actual people? The problem is, we don't know how long they were supposed to live. Well, don't we know that Yaakov lived long? Because Paro well, definitely, but only 147, and he lost years because he didn't do keep it of the aim. Remember those 22 years? I, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. So, I, I, yeah, that's a good call. 147 was old, or maybe Yaakov even looked really old. That could be also. I don't know. Not Uriah. It's a good question. It's a good. Yeah, you can do a comparison between Yaakov and Yitzchak and say how Yitzchak looked. 180. Yeah, 147. Right, and we say we give. Right, right. Oh, it's really 33. And the reason for the 33, as we all know, is because there were either years lost at some point because of Yosef at Tzadik, right? That Yosef and him gave those years to David and Malach, or because the 33 date, 33 words that he said to Paro. You're right. There's something there. I don't, I don't know. Were you going to say that, Mati? That's what you're going to say? Yeah. I'm sorry? Asaph should have lived longer than Yaakov to show that he actually did keep it up. Hey, maybe he would have if he wasn't killed. 
Maybe he would have. After all, Yaakov dies, he goes to the cave. Had he not been killed, maybe he would have lived longer. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. I, I don't know. It's a great call. I, I, I don't have a great answer for it. But again, I don't have any examples because I don't know how long people are supposed to live. Like, I could have could be here like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but like, who else is going to be able to say that and be able to prove it to you? I'm not sure. Now, the Kliakers suggest that the reward is from the fact that honoring your parents is really honoring a Kaddish Baruch Hu, as we set up above, right? And therefore, it's a form of Deveikus Hashem. Deveikus Hashem is the Makora Chaim. So by definition, when you attach yourself to that, right, Vatem Advekim, Vashem Alechechem, Chaim Kulcham Ayom, you get to live longer. It's automatic. That's how the Rachaim puts it, and the Kliyaka really adds to it by saying that idea. It's automatic. You don't even have to do anything. It's automatic. Every time you honor your parents, another ball is added. You know, like another thing is added to you, and it gets there right there. The Rekanti says something like this. He compares it to the Shechina, etc. The Rabbeinu Chayim says, from Sadiagon, the reward is given to people who accomplish this mitzvah, because often, listen to this idea, parents live for a long time. They could be a tremendous burden on their children. It could be difficult to honor them. So therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a reward of longer life. So you don't think, I wasted my life taking care of my old parents. You get to spend more time afterward. So you don't say to yourself, oh my gosh, I lost so many years by having to take my father or my mother to the hospital or to have to take them over to this place or that place. No, honoring your parents will add on life. You will never lose out on anything because of it. That's how the Rav based on the Ravina Bakaya, that's how they put it. And so too, Rav Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld says almost the exact same thing. They're promised they'll be able to live longer and make up for the lives that they lost, the amount of years that they lost. That's the idea behind it. So we know it's our own life at stake. We know it's our own life at stake. So the Chavetz Chaim and Rabin, there were a bunch of Bachram that got together and they, they made a gemach for people who didn't have a lot of money. So Chavetz Chaim called over a certain Bachar, a very big Masmid, and he told him, I want you to be the one in charge of this gemach. You be the guy who's going to take care of all the money and take care of everything. And the guy, you know, he was like, he was, you know, obviously flattered the Chavetz Chaim offered this idea, but he said, Rebbe, I, I don't want to do it because I'd rather spend my time in the base matters learning. Why should I spend my time counting up money and collecting and doing this and that and the other when I could spend my time in the base matters? Why should I do that? And the Chavetz Chaim told him the following. If you're a Masmid, he told him, then you certainly know the Gemara that in Rosh Hashanah Yudches, Rabba and Abaye were from base Ailey. They were supposed to die at the age of 18. But Rabba learned Torah, and he lived to the age of 40, and Abaye learned Torah and did Chesed, so he lived to the age of 60. You see that if you do Chesed, you will live longer. That might be able to make up for the time you spent doing Chesed instead of your learning. Again, hearing that from the Chavetz Chaim, I would be worried that that guy was supposed to die at the age of like 22. <laughs> the Chavetz Chaim like extended his life by like 100 years. Like that's exactly what I would expect from a story like that. Unfortunately, again, we don't have that story because the Chavetz Chaim not going to go out and say like, you wouldn't believe what I just saw. Right? You, he wouldn't say that. But that's the idea that there are certain things that a person can do. And again, I can't tell you that a person who does Chesed will never die early. Of course, that's a possibility and that's something we don't understand. But this is the promise and that's the idea behind it. The Panach Raz and the tourists say beautifully, you know what will happen? If you honor your parents, they're going to daven for you. And their tefillah, because they're older and they care, they're into their davening, will be more effective. So they'll daven for you to live longer and thus you'll live longer. That's the idea behind it. So continue to honor and do everything for them so that they continue to daven for you. That's what you want. You want that guy davening for you who's there. The Bechor Shor says, if you honor them and keep doing mitzvahs, you'll be Zohar to children 
who will want to honor you and take care of you when you get older. That way, you won't die before your time with nobody around you. Everybody knows that story. I have no idea where the orig- origin of this story is, where it came from originally, right? Where a father had to take care of his, or a, 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 father, a, a man with a family had to take care of his father, but he didn't treat him the way that he should have. You know, he sort of like he gave him, he was very upset when he would sit at the table and his hands shook and he would spill soup everywhere and he got stuff all over his shirt and the father was really upset. Like, I can't believe, like, this is how dirty you are. How could you do this? And he kept screaming at his father, kept yelling at his father and the father was unbelievably embarrassed, right? So finally, he gave him like a special bib and he put him in a special seat that wouldn't make him shake, right? And he said, here's how you're going to eat, and this way you won't get it all over the place, and that's that. So one day, the father was walking around, and he saw his son was building something, right? And he said, what are you building? He was making out of clicks or magnetiles or whatever it is, right? And he said, oh, I'm building your chair that I'm going to sit you in when you get old and you can't sit at the table. Obviously, the father was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I got it. And he obviously took the mustard from his four-year-old child, and obviously he sat his father, and it didn't matter if his father spilled a little bit or did something, whatever it is, and he wasn't able to sit at the table in a normal way. He said, like, this is the way it's going to be, and that's the idea that Bechor Shor says. It's not just, Lamani Rechonimecha means when you get older, your children will treat you the way you want to be treated, the way you treat your parents as well. That's the idea behind it. Now, the Chassam Sofer points out something really interesting. In fact, if you look at the in this Pasuk, we don't darshan that you get Olam Haba from Kibbutz Aim. We know that in the morning, and one of them is obviously Kibbutz Aim. We know that because we say it every morning, right? But we actually don't darshan it from this Pasuk. Because in this Pasuk, it just says, In the second Aserat Zed it says, You'll have length of days. And then it says, So it'll be good for you. And the Gemara Darshan, So the Chassam Sofer asks the obvious question in Torah's Moshe, Why add on those words, There, but not here? Why not say that over here? Why are we ignoring that right over here? So he answers, there are some people that actually enjoy this world more than the next. And if you gave them a choice, they'd say, leave me here. I can do mitzvahs here. They say famously that the Vilna Gon was crying and crying and crying in his deathbed. And he said, I can't answer a main in the next world. I can't do any mitzvahs in the next world. Knowing that he was going to die, not that he was, I, I mean, I'm sure in a way, in some way, he was worried about the din. I don't know. Can you say that about the Vilna Gon? But the Vilna Gon wasn't worried about that. The worry that he had is that he couldn't be in this world anymore. We have that even line. The line is, They'd rather have one hour in this world because in Olam Abba, granted, it's a reward, it's awesome, it's amazing, you're all spiritually enhanced, etc. But in this world, you can gain more. Every hour here, you can gain more. That's what they really want. For those people, it would be better to live in this world than excuse me for saying it, to be bored in the next world. To be there in the next world, they have to be forced to get the reward. They'd rather be here and working on stuff, even with all the pain in the world. Therefore, before the the Egoazov happened, in other words, by the first Tesseris Adibros, they weren't promised the next world because the next world didn't mean anything to them. Says the Chassam Sofer, in the first Tesseris Adibros, before the Egoazov, where they were going to live forever, they were promised, Laman Yitavlach. 
uh, I'm sorry, you'll live long lives here. After the ego, when they realized all the pain and the troubles and the trials that you have to go through in this world, when things weren't going to be as gishmak, then Hashem said, as well. You'll also get Olam Haba. So it's like beforehand, the people that had that, and then afterward, you'll get something a little bit different. That's the Chassam Sofer, and it's a beautiful Chassam Sofer. Okay, yeah, I, I, it happens to be the Chidon, Chomas and says a remez for true reward. The true reward is going to be Mashiach Ben David. He says the last letters of Kabed S Avicha is 424, the same letter, same gematria as Mashiach Ben David. That's 424. But it's a good shot. Moshe Zakanim asks, if this is a mitzvah, which has Matan Schara Betzida, the reward is written right there, then Basin shouldn't be allowed to force you to do it. They shouldn't force you. It says in Kulin Kufyot and Why do we then find Yerushalmi? It's in Kedushan and Aleph Zion that says that you can force someone to feed his father, as Rava did to Rabbi Nassim and Baba Basra Chasim Abayz. Why is that allowed? You can't force somebody to do a mitzvah where the Matan Schar is written right next to that pasuk. Why does that happen over here? So he says it must be that you're not allowed to use physical force but you can force them with words. You can't force a person to do that. Normally, if there's no Matan Skar Betzida, you can force a person to a mitzvah, meaning there's no reward given for shaking lulav. And if you see someone that's not shaking a lulav, you're allowed to force him. You're allowed to take the lulav, force it into his hands, and literally shake it, right, from place to place to make sure he does the mitzvah. But if it's keep it of aim, you can't do that. You can't take his money take the money from his pocket and give it over to his father. That you can't do. But what you can do is speak to him a ton of times, speak to him, speak to him, speak to him, and convince him to give it over, even if it's Matan Tzchar Betzida. Tosefes Bracha wonders then, so why is the reward written over here? And there's not. By so many other mitzvahs in the Torah, what makes Kibbut of the aim so different that a reward is put over here? He says, it's natural. That if you do something again and again and again, you get used to it and it becomes part of your system. And it's almost like by rote. You just automatically get a part of it. And maybe it even becomes like a burden. Like, yes, 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 I'll go ahead and do it. If you get so used to getting a cup of water for your father, it might no, it may no longer be considered almost like a mitzvah. It's sort of like, all right, I guess I have to. I have a thing in my house. My kids get me a drink for dinner. That's what they do. They get something. I usually drink sparkling water. They know they go to the garage and they have to go get it. There are times, there are times because it's the little kids at home where one of the little kids, and I'll be like, who's getting me the water? And usually it's like one of the little kids are like, yeah, me. And they jump up and they run and they go do it. But there are times where all three of them are like, ah. And I get it. I totally get it. I'm an awesome dad, but not always is an awesome dad worthy of going to the garage and going to get a drink. I totally get that. I totally get that. I thought I was, but apparently I'm not. Right? So that's fine. And that's perfectly fine. But in that case, and it's such a case where you have that, I can understand what the Tosefis Bracha is saying, what Rabbi is saying. Right? It's possible that people will look at it as a burden. Parents ask their kids to do a ton of things for them. Right? I think just tonight, I asked them to get me ketchup. One of them got me ketchup. I asked them to get me... Uh, the water, they got me the water, no problem. I asked them to feed the fish. They were not into feeding the fish. And I totally get that. Okay, the fish are not me. Feeding me is a different story. Asked them to pour the cup into my mouth, they did it. That was fine. No, I'm joking, I didn't do that. That would be awesome. Who's my favorite? I'm on video. Ask me afterward. Okay? 
clearly not Devorah. Clearly not Devorah. She's no longer in our family anymore. And she's probably, but she will probably listen to this later. But uh, clearly not her. But everybody else, maybe, right? But that's that. I'll find out if she listens. That way I know. That way I know. She'll text me before Shabbos. She'll be like, I heard. And I'll just be like, oh, man. That's okay. But maybe this will be the week, especially if I keep it up. She probably doesn't want to hear this year. So either way, regardless, that's what the Torah tells us to look forward to if you do honor them. This is no small reward. That's awesome. That's an awesome thing. Rav Victor Miller, that's the idea of what it says. Rav Victor Miller says, this shows the foundation of our nation. It's honoring your parents. Therefore, we should strictly enforce any type of mitzvah like this. Because again, this is it. This is our misora. This is our way back to our Sinai. It's from our father to our father's father to our father's father. It's what we say on Pesach night, what connects us all the way back. And even if there's a disconnect where there was someone in between that maybe didn't follow the mitzvahs that they probably should have. Even if that happens, it doesn't make a difference. This still connects back because we know our father's 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 father goes all the way back. That's the idea behind it. Even Shlomo Melech starts off his Mishle with Shma Bani Musar Avicha Tosh Torasimecha. That's obvious. That's just how important it is. And they teach you decency. They teach you behavior. Derek Eretz Kadmala Torah. That concept is all there. And we get that from our parents. If our behavior stems from them, then our gratitude should also come from them. That's obvious when it comes to it. And Rav Hirsch, I'm going to quote it over here because no one can say this like Rav Hirsch does. And I realize that Rav Hirsch wrote it in German and I'm not saying it in German. That's fine. But whoever wrote this for reverse, the continuance of Judaism rests entirely on the theoretical and practical obedience of children to parents. And this mitzvah is the basic condition for the eternal existence of the Jewish nation. They are the bond through which the child connects to his Jewish past and transmission goes directly through them. I tell this to my kids every day. <laughs> Just honor me. This, you, this is the reason why you exist. <laughs> that's that. That's the idea. And that's the idea. Rav Schwab talks about this a little bit. My name is two different places. Miam Loez has quite a bit on it. I'm not going to go into all that. That's a lot. The Ramban says, because this mitzvah involves people in the world, right, this reward is a physical world, life on earth. So it's a physical thing with people right there, therefore a physical reward, you get to live it a little bit longer. Chazal say, obviously, the world to come. They add that on, but that's the idea. The Balaturim says, if you look at the word Laman Yarichun, Yamin, Yarichun is missing a Yud in the middle. There's no Yud in the middle. And that's because the real reward is the Yud. The Yud. The Yud and the hay stand for this world. The hay is this world very easy to fall out of, very hard to climb back in. And the Yud stands for Olam Haba. We don't know anything about it. The smallest letter, something that's tiny as if something's up there. Says the Balaturim, that's what it hints to and that's why it mentions the Yud and the Hey by it. The Sforno says this reward is for all five Dibros. It's not just keep it up aim. Laman Yarichun Yamecha and in the second Dibros, Laman Yitavloch is a reward for Anochi, Lo Yelacha, Lo Sisa, Shabbos and keep it up aim. It's sort of like a Sikum of the first five mitzvahs. So it's not just for keep it up aim, says the Sforno. It's for all five of them. They all go together. That's the reward. When we connect to God along with our parents, then we'll get that reward. The Ibn Ezra in the Kliyakr says that's why Hashem's, I never noticed this until I saw this Kliyakr this year, by the way, that Hashem's name is mentioned by all five of the first Debros, but it's not mentioned by the last five. Anybody ever notice that? Obviously, it's not Los Sirtach, Los Sinaf, Los Signals, but like even Los Sachmod, Beis Riach, etc. There's no name of Hashem. It's only by the first five. And the answer is the reason why is that even though this mitzvah of their parents, it's clear that the parents connect with Hashem and they all have to do it bein adam lechavero. There's even a psikto rabosi deravkana that's quoted by the Chizkuni, the Turnus Rufus, asked this to Rabbi Akiva. <laughs> Can you imagine? Turnus Rufus, the Roman 
whatever it was, leader of Yerushalayim at the time, noticed that in the Aserah Adibros, God's name was in the first five, but not in the last five. I'm 43, and I never noticed that. But my enemy has. <laughs> my enemies noticed it. That is absolutely amazing. And he said to Rebbe Akiva, why is Hashem's name only mentioned by the first five, not by the last five? Rebbe Akiva went to his palace and asked him to show me your very important weapons. Saturnus Rufus brought him into one place, his spear is in one room, swords in another, shields in the other, armor, right? All these different things, one to the other is right around here. So Rebbe Akiva turned to the bathroom. I don't know if it was an outhouse. And he said, why are there no weapons in there? And Turnus Rufus said, it's not covetic for my weapons to be in a bathroom. I wouldn't put my weapons in a bathroom. They deserve an honorable spot on the wall, so they get an honorable spot on the wall. Said Rebbe Kiva, it's the same idea here. The first five deal with God's honor, and therefore his name is mentioned. The last five deal with terrible things that people have to stay away from. It's not honorable to put God's name in those five. That's a cute answer, right? I like that answer a lot. What exactly that means, I want to go into a little bit, but I didn't have enough time to think about it. Okay, Ibn Ezra points out, again, there is a second reward in the Pusik. It's not just long life. That's what everybody concentrates on. And to be honest with you, I never noticed this at all. But the Ibn Ezra says, you're also promised to live in Eretz Yisrael, in the land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you. That's what Hashem promised you. It's not just long life. If you do this mitzvah properly, you'll be zocha to live in Eretz Yisrael. Alo Adama. Sforno talks about this well. He points it out. He says it's Alo Adama. The Be'era Torah quotes someone who says that we can infer from this Pusik, maybe that's why Canaan was kicked out of Eretz Yisrael. Canaan is the one that didn't honor, not his father, but his grandfather, Noah, by telling his father what he was, and then something happened to Noah. Canaan went ahead and didn't do keep it of the aim, and therefore his punishment was to lose Eretz Yisrael. That's the idea behind what Canaan did. So maybe the, the inverse is true, right? That when we honor HaKadosh Baruch, when we honor our parents, they don't automatically get Eretz Yisrael. And if you don't, then you become like Canaan. Marl Diskin says, living in Eretz Yisrael also promises one will live a long life. I don't know where that's from. He just quotes it. He says, living in Eretz Yisrael, you're promised to live a long life. It's not in Ksuvis. I looked up Kuf Yud Aleph to Kuf Yud Gimel. It's not there. What do you got, Shalom? Laman Yirbu Yemechem, Adama, right? I was thinking that, but that's not, that Rabbi Yochan was talking about something else. I don't think so. Like, I hear it, but maybe it is. Maybe that's what it is, right? He says, however, this mitzvah is a positive that comes with an automatic negative, similar to what we said in Rashi before. If you honor your parents and living in Israel will grant you a long life. But if you live in Israel and you don't honor your parents, you will not be granted that long life. So it goes with both. You need both in order for that to happen. Now, there's some good stories over here. Someone sent this Shiloh to Rav Yitzhak Zoberstein. It's such a great Shiloh. My lawyers are telling me, he said, he was in jail at the time, said that I'm looking at 10 years in jail for a certain infraction, right? That's what I'm going to have for something that I did. There's one way that I can minimize my sentence. The one way that I can minimize my sentence, and I could do it by quite a few years, I tell the judge that the mastermind behind the operation was my father. And it's true. It's true. The mastermind behind this operation was my father. He's the reason, but he got out of it. And if I tell them that it's my father and get my father in trouble, they'll take years off my jail sentence. I might go down from 10 to 3, right? That would be a huge difference, right? But I would have to say it about my father. Am I allowed to do that to minimize my jail time? That's what he asked. So the Rav responded that he couldn't that he was required to spend years in jail in order to not get his father in trouble. You hear that? That's what he told him. And he said, even if his father is a Russia, it's true nowadays, he said, even more so nowadays, when the news would get a hold of the story, maybe there was going to be some type of Hashem <coughs> in some way. Nonetheless, you're not allowed to do it. He told him, you're not allowed to do it. So he then sent the following shot. He said, the whole purpose of Kibbutz the aim, 
the reason for it is for raising me properly. How does that apply by a father who taught me how to cheat and steal and sent me to jail? How does that apply to a father like this? Rabbi Yitzhak Zoberstein responded with a few Mamari Chazal. His basic idea was the Gemara in Kiddushan with Dhamma Benesina, etc. And he says the Paraduma, etc. He said, why specifically did he get a reward of a Paraduma for not waking up his father to take the stones of the Choshen out from underneath the pillow? Why did he get a Paraduma? And he says, because a Paraduma is a Chok. And Kibra is a Chok. And you don't understand why. You could pretend that that's the reason why. But said Rabbi Zilberstein, the fact that you have to honor your parents, even when he's a Russia, and there are exceptions to this, and I will say that the Rambam is very clear about what exceptions are there for honoring your parents if he's a Russia, but this would still apply. You still would have to do it. He says, you have to do it even if it doesn't make any sense to you. We're required to honor our parents because that's what a Kaddish Baruch wants us to do, not because they deserve our honor, even if they don't deserve our honor. It doesn't make a difference. You still have a mitzvah, keep it up. Aim again. In certain situations, there are other things you have to do. If, like your parent tells you to do something that's us, or obviously you don't. If your parent tells you to do something which might take you away from something else, that obviously is different. But hold on one second. Then it's Siv. Hold on one second, Shalom. Then it's Siv says, that's why it says al Adama in this mitzvah. We know the famous Ramban that mitzvos do not apply outside of Eretz Yisrael. The only reason why they keep them is minigavosenu biadenu, to keep it up so that we do go to Eretz Yisrael, we won't be starting off with nothing. That's a famous Ramban. Famous Ramban that outside of Eretz Yisrael, he, he explains many of the Avos issues, what happens with the Avos outside of Eretz Yisrael. So he says stuff like that. One might think that would only apply to mitzvos between us and Hashem. That you don't have to do them in Chutzlarts. But you do have to do them in Eretz Yisrael. But, and also Chukim, Shiloh Hakan, Paraduma. But this mitzvah of honoring one's parents should make sense everywhere. So you'd have a chiyuv not just in Eretz Yisrael, according to Ramban, but even outside of Eretz Yisrael. Maybe you have a chiyuv everywhere, says the Nitziv. That's why the Pasuk says, Al Ho'adama. This mitzvah should be treated as a chok that has no tam. As if you only have to keep it in Eretz Yisrael, not in Chutz Laretz. It's not true. We keep it everywhere. But according to the Ramban, even this, that makes a ton of sense, right? It doesn't make a difference what you think. The mitzvah of Kibbutz Aim is kept like any other mitzvah, like any other chok, like any other chok, and has to be treated that way even if it doesn't make any sense, even if we don't understand why it would apply in that case. Yeah, Shlomo, what's up? I was curious, where did the Ramban say about the Kibbutz But not, not having to honor but not having to? Not the condition. I mean, what, I, I mean, Hilchos, keep it up aim. It's in Hilchos Mamrim, I think. Uh, Mamrim? Yeah. I'd have to look it up, but it's Hilchos Mamrim, I believe. Okay. Now in Yerushalmi, Peya, Aleph, Aleph, says one time Rabbi Tavim was very sick that Chami came to visit him, right? His mother said to them, Davin for my son because he honored me all of his life. That's what Rabbi Tavim's mother said. And they told her, even if he honored you a million times more, he would never have done half of what he should have done for the mitzvah of keep it up aim. That's what they said. Now, why did they say that? <laughs> That's like a silly thing to say. Like, he's, he's sick, and he needs rachamei shamayim. And his mother's like, he's done a tremendous mitzvah keep it of aim. And like, eh! Like, that's a terrible thing to do. Like, nah, he never really did give it up a aim. Like, that's crazy. Like, he's got to do a lot more mitzvahs if he really wants to live. Oh, sorry. Like, that's a terrible thing to say. See what Pshat is? Listen to this idea from the, the Chavetz Chaim. Chavetz Chaim says, we see in Kiddushan that if there's anyone that exemplified Kibbutz of aim, it was Rabbi Tarfin. Rabbi Tarfin put his hands on the ground that when his mother didn't have shoes, she would walk on his feet rather than on the ground so her feet wouldn't be cold when they touched the ground. 
Rebekah would bend over so his mother could climb on him to get into her bed at night, and then when she would wake up, to be able to climb off the bed. He would bend himself down for that. Rebekah was an amazing person that came to keep it of aim. And that's what they were worried about. They were afraid that once you fulfill your chiyuv in this world, that's when your soul can leave this world. You finished your chiyuv. So when she said, he's done a crazy amount of keep it of aim, they were like, oh, no, he hasn't even done half of it yet. He's got so much more to do, right? So he can't die now. He's got to do so much more in order to honor you even greater. And that way he'll bring you, he'll bring you much more nachas. That's what they were saying. Isn't that brilliant? Absolutely brilliant. I, I, I never understood that Gemara. In the same vein, did you know this? The Chavetz Chaim never stepped foot out of his house without asking Rishus from his mother beforehand. Can you imagine that when you were living with your parents saying like, mom, I'm going to go outside to check what the weather's like. <laughs> Do you mind if I go outside? Whenever he went out of town later on in life, when he left and whatever, he would call his, call his mother. He'd go to his mother and ask for permission to leave the town. That is unbelievable. That's Keep It Up Aim. There's other stories of the Chavetz Chaim, Keep It Up Aim. Just what, she, what he did at the end of his life. The person that he married was the, the, his technically stepsister from his stepfather's daughter that wasn't married, who his mother suggested that he should marry. It was, I don't want to say a terrible shidduch, that's not the right word for it, but not the shidduch you would have expected for the Chavetz Chaim. But his mother and his stepfather suggested it, so he took it, and he married that woman. Obviously, she was the Rebetzin of the Chavetz Chaim, and obviously there's this Mina Shamayim. It just wasn't what people would have expected the Chavetz Chaim to do, but that's what his parents told him to do. Rav Avram Yitzchak Cook was once asked by Yushalmi Yid, whose son went to America, if he could use the money that his son sent him, because he suspected that the money was coming from a business that was open on Shabbos. So he said, am I allowed to use it? I think he's spending money on me, but the money's coming from the wrong places. So if Cook told him the following, he said, your son has lost a lot of mitzvahs. He wants to do one mitzvah, kibbutz ve'em, and you're going to take that away from him? You're going to take that mitzvah of kibbutz ve'em? Give him that mitzvah. At least let him do that mitzvah. <laughs> the guy ended up doing it. It would be amazing if he said no. <laughs> but the guy did it. That, it's amazing. When the Avni Nezer was really young, he was learning by his father, the Rav of Biala. He had a certain kasha that he couldn't answer, the Rav of Biala, his father. He had a certain question. He told it over to others in front of his son. He said, I've got this bomb kasha, right? And I can't figure it out. I, I, I don't know the answer. So his son said, like, Abba, I think, I think this is the answer. And he gave a simple answer that answered everything. His father was super, super angry. He rejected out of hand, slapped his face, not like, you know, a boom, you know, just like slapped it a little bit lightly and said, never answer quickly like that. You made a big mistake. That's it only. You made a huge mistake. Years later, his son came to him, the Avni Nezer came to his father when his father was on his deathbed, right? And he told the Avni Nezer that he went through the sugya later on after going through and he realized that his son, his young son was right. The Avni Nezer was right. So he wanted to apologize and ask for mechila you know, that he hit him a little bit and he said that it was a silly answer when it really was the right answer. So he wanted to apologize. He said, I'm really sorry. Do you forgive me? The Abner said, I knew I was right, but I also knew, right? I knew that, but I didn't want to say anything. I had to keep it up. I forgave you absolutely immediately many years ago. 
So you have nothing to worry about. That's what he told his father. That's an unbelievable answer from the Avni Nezer. Sipuri Chassidim, page 202. I'm going to go with one last thing, guys. One last thing over here. The Chidah writes in Shema Gedolim that when the Rimi Gash in his Sefer, by the way, it says the Rif, but there's no way it's true because it, it can't be. The Rif passed away about 30 years beforehand. But either way, when the Rimi Gash passed away, the Rambam came to him at the age of seven and kissed his hand receiving a bracha at the time. He claimed, the Rambam later claimed, that he only became the person he became because he did so. He achieved some chachma from the Rimigash's bracha at the time. That's why the Rambam calls the Rimigash's Rebbe. The Rimigash never taught the Rambam anything. But he considered the Rimigash's Rebbe because he kissed his hand once and he got that bracha from the Rimigash. He understood it that way. And he called him his Rebbe for that. Rashi writes in Avodazar Yudzayim and Aleph, that it's a minig to kiss the hands of one's parents as well as the rub of the shoal when they leave, when people leave the shoal. I am not suggesting people do that to me. For sure do it to Rabbi Tursky. But like, that, that's not gonna happen, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, if I get like a massive ring that goes through, yeah, 100%, right. But th- to kiss the hand of the parents, your parents, and the rub when you leave a shoal, that's Rashi, it's Rashi, Mogin Avram, in Simon Reishai and Dalit says the one should kiss the hands of his mother on Friday night. I've always wondered this. The father gives the bracha, right? Gives the bracha, yivrecha, etc. And then the mother is just sitting there. What does the mother do? So I always wondered that. The Magen Avram brings down that you go and you kiss your mother's hand after getting a bracha from the father. That's what you do. You get the bracha from the father, you go over to the mother, you kiss your hand, and that's that. That should be done at the time they receive the bracha. He quotes it from the Arizal. The Kappa... Ka- I'm sorry? Your mother gives a bracha? Women's lib. I hear it. Women's lib. I have no idea. I always thought the minute it was by the father. You know what? Now I'll look that up. Lena, I'll look that up. I'll look it up. I, I, I'd never, I'd never seen, seen it, but seen I'm insular. Yeah, really? I've, I mean, I've only it's South Bend. It's South Bend. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea. Okay, so this is another ad- addition to that. The Kafa Kaim in Reish Samach Beis Yitzayin says, before you kiss your mother's hands, you should say, L'shem Yichud Kudshabrihu, Hareini Ba L'kayim Mitzvah Kibud Av Ve'em L'nashik Yidei Imi, L'takin Esorish Mitzvah Zubimakom Elyon V'hi Noam, you should say Noam. It's an old thing to say. Right before you kiss your mother's hand, that's unbelievable. It's all brought down to the Otsar Plos Torah. That is absolutely unbelievable. So I'm starting this this week in my house. I'm going to make sure that my kids do this. Right? I'm making them do it. I'm making them do it again. I'm, I'm going to make it by rote after a while. What? I'm going to force them. I'm going to slap them if not. Right? But I'm going to make them do it. I'm going to make them say, maybe they won't do the L'Shem Yichud. Maybe a four-year-old won't do the L'Shem Yichud. Right? What? Never. Not in my life. But I'm not Sparty. I'm for sure Spartan. I'm like, yeah, of course. Why not? Right? Of, of course. I would say that. No. You've never seen it happen? No. Okay. Well, m- other Sardin, right? Maybe Moroccans. You're Iraqi? Moroccan. You're Moroccan. Oh, so maybe Tunisians. Maybe Iraqis. Maybe Syrians. Maybe Egyptians. Somebody. Somebody's got to do this. But, oh my gosh, this is absolutely unbelievable. All right. Shukai, everybody. Let's stop with that. Have a great job.